0: Hey folks, welcome to this week's episode. Something a little bit different this week as I'm chatting with Lucy Hayward from the Luminosa Orchestra. So I thought we'd start things off by letting Lucy introduce a little clip of the orchestra doing their thing.
1: So this is a clip of a, a recording I made of the Luminosa String Orchestra in at the summer concert at Gower Cathedral. And this particular clip is a piece by John Maxwell Geddes, who is Nicola Geddes' uh, late father, it's called The Hulet, and it's from a three-movement suite for String Orchestra called Soundposts, which was commissioned in 1995 by the Scottish Post Office on the 360th anniversary of the Postal Service. It's a very uh, beautiful piece of music, very ethereal and mysterious, very evocative of um, sort of a nighttime in Scotland. So it's The Hulet by John Maxwell Geddes.
0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Creative Voices. I'm joined today by Lucy Hayward. Lucy, thanks for taking the time to come chat to me.
1: Thanks very much for having me.
0: You're very welcome. So, as always, an introduction to yourself, who you are and what you do.
1: So, my name is Lucy Hayward. Um, I'm a freelance creative producer and I, with a colleague, friend of mine, Nicola Geddes, set up Galway's new professional orchestra, Luminosa Music.
0: And for anyone who isn't familiar with what the Rometa Luminosa is and your background.
1: So, well, Luminosa, it's a a new string orchestra, Galway's first professional orchestra, which I've set up about, well, we were founded in 2018. And um, this was because I was studying a master's at NUIG in arts policy and practice. And I basically, it gave me the confidence, I suppose, to go forward and respond to this constant refrain that I that I've been, I'd been hearing over the last 20 years and all the way that we didn't have an orchestra and I thought well is it possible to have one and I would you know really love to manage one and then we set it up so
0: here we are <laughs>
1: here we are yeah
0: and just maybe delving a bit deeper into your own background and how you found yourself in this position to before the Masters and way back, what was oh, your path to here?
1: Well, I'm, uh, both my parents are professional musicians. My mother is trained as a concert pianist and my father trained as a conductor and operatic repetiteur at both at the Royal College of Music in the 60s. And so I was brought up in a, in a very musical family. was in children's choirs. My father ran an, an incredible children's choir out of the school we were in and we used to tour to Paris and uh, all over even Ireland actually once as the choir so I had a background in in choral training and um, played the piano and took up the violin then when I was about 15 but I gave it up at the when I went to college to do my undergraduate did the usual kind of garage band thing (laughs) and African drumming and all kinds of mad stuff yeah I suppose um, I, I took it up again when I was forty, the violin, from pretty much from scratch, and managed to do all all the grades up until grade eight, which I did uh, two years ago. So, I kind of <laughs> okay. resurrected the kind of classical music interest that yeah. I, you know, had sort of from a child, and that's kind of how I became very interested in, you know, managing. Obviously, I'm never going to be a professional musician, but. Having that knowledge and being, having the sort of office administration skills and office skills, I knew I could manage an yeah.
0: orchestra. And I suppose having the familiarity, what goes into that?
1: Yes, and I'd, I mean I'd watched my dad um, fix orchestras and you know performances, lots of production, and I had a background in sound engineering. So there's a lot coming together that I just knew that if I didn't do it, it m- might not get done I at all. You know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So it almost feels like all the little things that happened along the way came back together to make that one perfect package for yes, you. Yes,
1: to... and in fact, that was is an interesting question because I feel that that was a very deliberate act on my part because I got to the age of thirty, having done lots of different things. I did a degree in commercial real estate management, which is nothing to do with music at all, uh, but it did give me um, the commercial kind of business acumen and. Then I actually, due to the recession, the you know, the property recession, thing, I couldn't really get work in that area for a long time. So I ended up being um, an administrator in Bank of Ireland. So I had a strong kind of financial okay. sort of background as well. Yeah. And then I had all the music as a hobby. And, you know, at the age of 30, I had my first child and basically spent f- 14 years at home yeah. wondering how... Who am I, you know, and you know with the inevitable consequence of being at home with five children, yeah. losing all confidence and not really believing who I was at all, I think the sort of epiphany was picking up the violin and doing that for myself, yeah, and that was the only real real thing I had going for myself, and then I had the bright idea of going and doing a master's in arts policy and practice, which yeah. would have been called arts administration, and that I felt sort of built the bridge between the administration and the music because it was music that I actually focused on. Yeah, it was very deliberate because I really felt quite lost and sort of too f- thinly spread.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, a little bit of everything went no all
1: Yeah, no, no focus, but this really did give a focus, and I think in particular my focus is orchestra and and maybe choir, yeah. <laughs> but really just classical music.
0: Seems to be in some ways too a story we often hear where you know your parents are into a particular thing, you move away from it in your life, yeah. and then as you get older, you rebel. <laughs> yeah, you realise you're coming back around to it.
1: Well, it's in it's in your DNA in some yeah. way. You absorb this by osmosis, and you yeah. don't know really how much that you you know about these things until you are. I suppose grown it's up. just a part of your
0: life, so you take it for not for granted. So, but yeah, you do. Yeah. And what was that experience like picking up a violin after twenty odd years? <sighs>
1: yeah, it was tough. yeah it was really tough but I was really determined I had done grade 4 so I found the certificates and I had I think I was 16 or something I did grade 4 and I thought right I'm going to do grade 5 okay straight back to it (laughs) so um yeah it was tough but I I got through it and um I I just kept going and I practiced I had a target of 10 hours practice a week
0: which is quite a lot it's an ambitious target for when you're five kids around the place
1: and yeah. I'm I'm struggling to find one hour a week, so I'm just wondering. I think the wonderful thing about practicing an instrument though, is that it's not necessarily better to do two hours straight. In fact, it's probably not. And the way you practice is important. It has to be smart. There's no point trying to play things from start to finish and thinking, aren't you wonderful? But it's, it's, you know, it's bar five where you can't do that thing. That's the thing you need to practice for 10 minutes. And then, and I think the great thing about the practice was that I, I wasn't always available for two hours, and you know, I was very yeah. often just available for ten minutes. So I'd just do scales for ten minutes, or yeah. something I couldn't do for ten minutes. And if you did five ten minutes in a day, that's so that's a really good, yeah. you know, it's a good bit of practice. So I think with children have, practicing an instrument is perfect because you can, you know, you might only have ten pick minutes. It up,
0: put it down. Pick it up and put it down. Yeah. yeah.
1: Never put it away. I have it in a stand so it's ready to go.
0: (laughs) So it's almost like circumstance almost lent itself to what you needed to do at that particular time then, really.
1: Um, I wouldn't... Well, I think I'd probably turn something negative into a positive, you know. Because there's only so much walking you can do with a pushchair, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: true. And at what point... Before the Masters, had you had the, the mindset of doing the orchestra? Was it, did it only come along as you were finishing it up? Or at what point did you think this could be something I would do?
1: I don't know, actually. Um, I mean, I'd heard...
0: Or was there that lingering the, feeling? You know, it's
1: just that a it's a refrain in Galway. Everyone was like, oh, we don't even have our own orchestra. But coming from England, every town has an orchestra, even if it's a very good amateur orchestra. and Every single town has some kind of orchestra, yeah. you know? And I suppose I thought, well, there's no reason why not. Yeah. But I think the the cornerstone of the decision was the fact that the Contempo Quartet had b- become resident here for the last yeah, what's 18 years or something now. Yeah. And without them, it I just don't really think it could be feasible. Yeah. Because they are just so excellent. They're just such incredibly talented and polished musicians yeah. and they attract others Other people, people you know. want to play with them they consider it a great privilege to be able to yeah. play with them and I think it was I'd actually met Ingrid at the playground with her kids funnily okay. enough she's the second violin Ingrid um, Nicola I suppose it was just being around musical people and just these ideas sort of swirling and yeah. I suppose it was a bit of desperation well, so having been at home for so long And I had this idea and something in me said, if you don't do something about this... It's not going to happen. You are never going to do anything. (laughs) Because what's the point of having a great idea if you don't do anything about
0: it? Yeah, yeah. it's a powerful motivator. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose maybe, as you said, having the the cornerstone there with the Contemporary Quartet gave you some bit of structure to build on, maybe, was it?
1: Yeah, well, it definitely attracted um, any professional or semi-professional music in Galway. They were like, they would jump at the chance to be in an orchestra with these guys... And there's another very talented, um, well, our concertmaster, in fact, Paul Ezegalis, who lives in Mycullen, okay. but is a co-principal of the Oslo Philharmonic Orchestra. So he spends an awful lot of time travelling here back and forth. Um, but he, he's quite well known here. Um, and we approached him and he he was very happy to become involved. So that there's, you know, you've got these four Romanians, you've got Paul, he's he's an Australian native, but he's li- he's married to a Galway woman. And um, then there are other people, there were particularly a cohort of Hungarians in Galway who Hungary has a great reputation for classical music training. So we've got Gergely Kuklis, who's also... um, Used to lead the Hungarian National Philharmonic Orchestra, you know. So you're thinking these people are in Galway, yeah, yeah. It's just incredible the the amount of talent there is here, you know.
0: I think Galway can always surprise you like that. You'd be amazed what what kind of people are here when you start scratching the surface a bit, yeah. And uh, you said the refrain around was why don't we have an orchestra, but when you actually approach people and give them the mindset of what you're doing, what was the the belief there? Very, very positive, very,
1: very positive. And I, I spent basically a year writing a proposal document, writing to everybody like the city council, the university, all the festivals, heads of groups, choirs I mean, conductors, all kinds of people. And then basically I said, Well, we'll put in an arts council application and just see like, see
0: what this happens.
1: is definitely feasible. We just need the money. And we had one failed um, attempt, but they recommended that we apply again under a different strand. And we got funding for that for last year. So we had a fantastic year. of We, we did three concerts, yeah. but it is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they were incredibly successful. Yeah. Um, full houses in the cathedral okay. and, and two concerts and we had launched at uh, the Emily Anderson concert hall in NUIG and that was a full house as well so it was really you couldn't ask for a better audience you know they're hugely appreciative very receptive yeah and very um, encouraging and we've actually fundraised quite almost 5,000 euro from patronages so people have taken out silver patrons gold patrons and we had Bank of Ireland as our platinum patron so they gave us 1,500 that year so it every little helps because it really is a very expensive
0: process to be part of an orchestra yeah yeah.
1: because you know it's 18 people maybe
0: yeah that's that's a very few people to be looking after and they're
1: professionals and I suppose the ethos was that if you're professional you should be paid yeah at the proper rate you know well
0: that's understandable especially if you want this to be something that's sustainable and
1: something that people want to be part of then I think that needs to be done yeah So this recording is another recording from the Luminosa String Orchestra recorded at the launch event in November 2018. And it's a movement from Edvard Grieg's Holberg Suite.
0: standing there for your first concert what was that feeling like
1: yeah um well you know it's terrifying isn't it but I didn't (laughs) really have to do anything because I'd done it all you know I didn't actually have to speak I did speak at the summer concert and it is a bit terrifying but I really felt that I ought to because a lot of you know I mean it was my idea I you know you know in some ways I suppose the confidence thing is important because you've got to stick your neck out and if you don't stick your neck out you're never going to you don't have a voice, yeah. but also you become very visible and then vulnerable. <laughs> you yeah. feel kind of that you could be yeah. criticised, and that's 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 fine. But um, I suppose it's just trying to keep on building the confidence, yeah. you
0: know. And what about time behind the scenes? Then outside of the performances, do the, the orchestra itself spend a lot of time together? That must be, or
1: it's really project based. So mm. when when we so at the moment we're waiting for a funding decision. And then we have three concerts planned, and there'll be a schedule of rehearsals. So you'd probably have two or three intensive rehearsals coming up to the concerts, yeah. and then the concert. But they're all professionals, and that you know, obviously, Contempo have an incredibly busy schedule. Yeah, yeah. All the others are either teaching or lecturing or doing, you know, some kind of other musical thing. So it's. It's actually a real challenge to get the schedule together f- yeah. for the rehearsals because trying to find everyone yeah. free at the same time can be tricky.
0: The staffing of the orchestra at the moment, is that kind of standard people that are always there? Or do you have people coming in and going out? Or?
1: It was um, the members were sort of invited at that stage by the, the members of Contempo lead sections so they would have known people they'd worked with before. Yeah. It depends on their level of funding, whether we can actually recruit any more players. That's the only yeah. thing. And we obviously have to have an audition process for that. It's all, you know, everything's subject to funding. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Understandable. And your venues, you mentioned that you played in the NUI and in the Cathedral, Galway Cathedral,
1: yeah. Now, the venues thing is something, it's a, it's a bone of contention. We don't have our concert hall yeah. that we've been promised. <laughs> yeah. There are no venues that really acoustically suitable for that kind of music. You've either got carpet, in which case the sound just gets absorbed yeah. by the floor, or you've got a cathedral where there's a delay of, what, 10 seconds? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, But, you know, in terms of venues, the cathedral is, is a stunning venue. Yeah. Um, some people say they love the acoustic in there for strings, yeah. because, I mean, that sound it just gets gathered up into the roof and it stays a sort of celestial you know it really is quite magical so we plan to do our concerts there in 2020 okay yeah so ray o'donnell is the uh, organist and music director in the cathedral he's been amazing yeah with the amount of time he's given us and the venue for for those concerts so we're very grateful for that
0: and have you found much kind of interest from people who'd be new to the concept of orchestras? I mean, the crowds that you attracted, were they people who, as you mentioned, had the refrain of looking for an orchestra? are or you finding people who... Yeah, I
1: think Galway has a very well-developed audience for classical music now. I suppose, I mean, we've probably got music <coughs> for Galway to thank that. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think a lot of um, the development is really standing on the shoulders of giants. You know, that, that organisation's been... I think it was 1982 that they started with it, or it might have been even earlier. But, you know, they have cultivated a great yeah. um, audience for classical music. I mean, Galway has, adopts this... They, they like to call themselves the capital of culture, culture yeah. you know, and it's a sort of an unofficial title. And now, of course, we have the actual official. Galway 2020 yeah. capital of culture, but we will be cultural afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we were yeah. before, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: And within your own house then, I mean, you're moving on to the next generation. What do your kids think, as you absorb that growth of music from your parents without kind of being conscious of it, how do they respond yeah. to
1: They don't really like classical music. <laughs> they think it's boring. Yeah. But I think, you know, I mean, obviously children, you know, they like listening to iRadio and, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're on YouTube listening to all kinds of stuff. But uh, my eldest eldest son, who's 16, that he'd had a, a few piano lessons yeah. from the age of about seven, eight, nine. Didn't like it, didn't want to continue. And this year, in fact, in about February, he decided to take up the guitar. Okay. And he is just, you know, I play the guitar as well, actually. So I was able to help him. He's just, he can play everything now. Yeah. Everything, all the Beatles stuff, all okay. the, yeah, just absolutely everything. Yeah. And he you know, and actually, well, his father... Is a guitar teacher in my cullen, so okay, so he does have help oh, well. on both, <laughs> both sides. So he's definitely getting there. My second son, Joe, is fantastic at improvising on the piano and he's had lessons but doesn't like the lessons, so he gives up every doesn't now like and the then. Structure. But he sits there at the piano in just the same way I did when I was his age, yeah, for like an hour, just finding wonderful chord progressions and doing yeah. great stuff so and uh he he's really enjoying that there's yeah. definitely an interest and then my and in fact it seems to be all the boys then my youngest son is starting piano and loves it okay so he's just starting with the c major scale hands yeah. together country motion and he just you know he's really yeah. into it so <laughs> who knows where that, that'll go
0: i suppose it's funny isn't it just as with anyone i've spoken to on the show a lot of people end up in a similar field to whatever they've been exposed to in their own household. I think it's not possible to ignore it if that no. influence is just wafting around the place, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it becomes very strong in you at some stage, even if you yeah. have rebelled against it or tried to move away from it. Yeah, I see it all the time as well. I just think parents can give their children so much of an insight if, if they're practising the same work or whatever it is, yeah. you know. I mean, you can get priceless guidance yeah. from... I
0: suppose you put in the from them. the hard work and the groundwork and they'll reap the benefit of it in some way.
1: Yeah, totally, yeah. yeah.
0: Do you feel it might be something that happened to yourself then as well? Like, having, as you said, rebelled and moved away from it? Did you feel that the music was missing in your life when you came back around to it, Sure.
1: Well, it was never really missing, because I'd always done something, but yeah. I suppose it was just the classical end of things. I wanted... And I never really had learned to read music. Okay. So, I was avoiding <laughs> I managed to get through all those exams <laughs> with with the sight reading being just terrible, you know. So, I suppose learning the violin properly and having proper classical training. Yeah. I actually learned to actually read music fairly fluently, you know, not yeah. sitting there for hours going F A C E okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um it was something I wanted to do, you know, because I felt like I should know how to do that.
0: Yeah, probably slightly important. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although I am a, I'm a, you know, I'm an oral kind of person, yeah. you know. Um,
0: I suppose if you respond well in that way, it's good. But also, bring no harm to have the backup of being able to read yeah, the music as well. <laughs> Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: And for anyone who perhaps isn't familiar with the structure of the orchestra and how it works, or anyone who might be considering going to one of your shows next year, a bit of insight into what you would expect from a good orchestra, what they can expect to see when they go to a show?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, well, um, there are four sections. I suppose you've got your first violins. They usually get the melody and led by the concertmaster, Paul Ezra who mm. actually conducts from the desk. So we don't actually have a conductor. Okay. Because it's a sort of an ensemble. It's more of a tighter group that really communicate very well. Yeah together and they'd be looking to him for sort of leading, you know um then there's second violins violas and cello i should have said five sections because there's Teresa on the double bass (laughs) so we've one bass player and um the repertoire they play can be absolutely anything we've decided we've tried to go for from anything from quite early um music from the Sort of 17th century, all the way to very contemporary mm. stuff. Um, for instance, Jane O'Leary, who <coughs> is a Galway based composer,
2: yeah.
1: um, we performed one of her pieces in the springtime. Any style, any period, yeah. but classical based, yeah. you know. So it can be surprising, challenging sometimes, sometimes just wonderful not everybody would like contemporary music mm. you know but it's um, certainly we don't want to leave any area un, un, yeah. Untu- untouched
0: yeah I'm curious what is the kind of viewpoint on that there be, would there be a more purist kind of view of how orchestras should be playing and what they should be doing and... I think
1: nowadays I think it's really you know I mean 50 years ago you'd have to wear a black tie to come and see an orchestra and long dresses and it's really all that's gone now I think it's really accessible to to anyone and there are are so many different styles of music being performed now that it's just all all music is really personal taste so but we can guarantee that nobody will be bored anyway it's all I mean live music to see that music created in front of you by just these people living breathing people is magical you know Um, It's it's amazing. Like, and if anybody hasn't ever been to see an orchestra, I would strongly recommend going because it really is just an incredible energetic experience to watch Mm. how that comes together.
2: Yeah.
1: And all of life, like every emotion and every element, facet of life is sort of reflected inside the music in some way. The way, even just the way... All the, these bits have to come together at exactly the right time to make it work. You yeah. know, there are lots of metaphors yeah. in music, and just you know, just experiencing live music is you know. suppose well, getting it's so many
0: people to coordinate such a structured fashion to generate something yeah. that still feels kind of organic is an interesting kind of approach. Yeah, isn't it, it is.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Do you have a memory of your first um, orchestra experience? Perhaps with your dad? Was that yeah, that? it would
1: have been, my dad would have been conducting what would have been this, a school orchestra, but with, he used to get these professionals in to sort of back up the orchestra. It was a very good orchestra. He used to do a, a thing called show band with the schools. It was like a school production okay. with a big orchestra and they do musical numbers and yeah. that kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: And uh, going forward then, like, what would you like to see happen? I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, a venue, a concert hall.
1: We would love to see a concert hall built in Galway, but not just a concert hall, more of an artistic hub where you can have an acoustic space that's suitable for for live music, like mm. an orchestra, and, and so that we can get other orchestras to come here. Like, we, you know, the concert orchestra have to perform in Leisureland, which isn't... Yes. Acoustically, it's probably all right, but it's right next to the swimming pool. It's It's a box. The lighting is awful. It's all the musicians' cases around the outside of the room, like like a school orchestra. No, it doesn't. It's not suitable. But a space where you'd have the correct acoustic, but also somewhere dance could happen, and you know, an art space. You know, there, there are a lot of people in Galway of need. who needs some kind of space for performance and rehearsal and then you could also have administration space in it uh, it it should be possible I I can't I just can't kind of see why why not it hasn't happened yet I know there have been an awful lot of work and proposals put forward and withdrawn and
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah. it's my next plan
0: (laughs) it's an ambitious plan but it's a good plan I think it leads in some ways back to what you're saying about it no longer being an exclusionary activity like bringing together different aspects of the arts and getting a space where people can do whatever it is that they have a need for that's much more powerful than just having a concert hall that's exclusively for yeah
1: it's not not about that anymore it's very much about collaboration you know a lot of orchestras are collaborating with other kind of genres so yeah
0: and are there similar kind of spaces that you'd admire within Ireland I mean I'm not that familiar myself but is there anywhere in Ireland that's particularly good for orchestra performances
1: well obviously the National Concert Hall Mm -hmm. is, is perfect for that but it's it took them about 25 years to fundraise to get that console built you know back in the the 80s uh, 70s 80s 90s it doesn't seem to be top of the agenda for the government to provide yeah. artistic spaces and yet it's almost as if they just expect music to just happen it just ha- happens anyway yeah. obviously it just happens nobody gets yeah. paid they just do it because they like it yeah. well that's just simply just not going to yeah. work it's not sustainable musicians yeah. you know if they can't be a musician they'll have to go out and get another job and then the music will stop Yeah. so you have to pay them there has to be some kind of commercial mercantile development of this mm. you know in the city
0: I think though perhaps you fit the nail on the head there where there is some aspect of belief that this is just something that people do as opposed to being their job or a or career there's still an interesting mindset where people just presume it's going to happen anyways
1: yeah yeah and in a way you know maybe it would but you wouldn't develop any you wouldn't get better you wouldn't attract musicians you know in order to progress and actually develop the, the art you know it needs to be funded people need to get paid you know you've yeah. got to live <laughs>
0: yeah yeah oh yeah, totally understandable
1: yeah.
0: so your journey from the masters to making this happen who, who helped you along the way who was kind of integral to yourself too? so
1: it was um it was actually i did the masters over two years and i it was at the end well it was sort of in the middle of the first year that this came about with nicola Geddes, who's a cellist who lives in galway she's scottish we were actually in the hairdressers in my cullen both of their head My back Colin in the is sink. My the hub of all this. It seems. Oh, it is. My common is <laughs> <laughs> is centre of the universe. <laughs> we actually had our heads back in the sink, you know. Yeah. And she was like, "So, what are you going to do after the masters?" And I was like, "Well, you know." And and the inner voice started like, "You know, you should really just say just what out you out. actually want to do and not be, you know, oh, I'll probably just get some kind of job." Anyway, I just said, "Well, I'd love to manage an orchestra, yeah. but there isn't an orchestra, so." Yeah. <laughs> You know, I kind of like, and she was like, well, hold on a minute, you know. <laughs> you know, she was playing with all these musicians in kind of fixed orchestras, which is where someone just calls everybody individually and says, "Can you do this gig project-based?" You yeah. know. And she was working with Paul Zagamas and the Contempos and, you know, she's like there could be an orchestra. There are there are players. Yeah. So, I thought, well, you know, let's try and tease
0: us out a bit yeah, and see yeah, where it yeah, goes yeah out. and then
1: I did all the research and the proposals and
0: right. it
1: was definitely there
0: were you surprised then by what you'd found during the research and proposals that was it was the, the stumbling block smaller than you thought it was going to be when you set out in that path or
1: it's really the biggest stumbling block has been a noise will be the funding yeah so it was it was it's fine like as long as you again, long you know in, in some ways <laughs> with that thing about the music just happens automatically. It's there.
2: Yeah.
1: But it's trying to secure the sustainable kind of funding model. Yeah. So we so I set up a, a company, you know, limited by guarantee, that has a board of directors that that and we're just about to apply for a charity status so that yeah. we can accept donations and and have corporate sponsorship yeah. and have a more sustainable part of the funding model.
0: Yeah. I suppose given the structure to something that people assume doesn't have structure and make them realize that this is yeah. something that is and that's really-
1: always the challenge it's the fundraising and the securing sort of public funding that's yeah. really the ongoing
0: yeah okay. challenge yeah
1: yeah
0: and uh, what about your husband too as someone who's involved in music Is he, has he been, he's he's obviously been with you along the way
1: um well my husband uh, my my partner, I should say Sorry, is uh, yeah. He, he's he's musical, he plays the guitar and sings, yeah. but he's he's a banker, so he was okay. he's actually just retired from Bank of Ireland. Okay. So after so he's lots of free time out. to help you out. Well <laughs> <laughs> he does, he has been very helpful uh, actually.
0: Did you find each other through music or is that just a coincidence that he's a No, musician?
1: I yeah. I was during my time working for Bank of Ireland actually that we met because okay. so he it was um yeah part of the the temping years. I temped for Bank of Ireland for years and years yeah. in, in all the different departments in like private banking and BIAM. Yeah. So that's how we met. Interesting.
0: So for anyone who might want to get involved with what you're doing, um, what can they do to help or to get in touch with you guys? Or Yeah,
1: well, we've uh, a lovely website, uh, www.luminosa.ie yeah. and you can become a patron or a friend of the orchestra. There are a range of different packages and um, subscribe to the newsletter, so you'll get information on when the concerts are, and just come come to all the concerts because yeah. they're going to be amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah, I see. As well, you can you can hire the orchestra too. I believe from looking at your website. Here.
1: If for corporate events, yeah, if if there's enough lead-in time, um, obviously it's it's fairly expensive, but yeah. it's an orchestra. So, but I mean, I think I envisage for corporate events or even private parties. You know, yeah, you could hire the orchestra
0: something a bit different in fairness. Yeah. And uh, so as well as the newsletter and the website, is that the best way to kind of keep up to date with what you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, yeah. And you'll hear me sometimes on the radio, usually coming up to concerts, I'd be on the Keith Finnegan show with someone from the orchestra talking about the wonderful music we have coming up.
0: And is there anyone else in particular that you want to kind of, I'm not sure if we touch on all the different people who are involved in the process, anyone else you want to mention or thank for their help along the way?
1: I can't really narrow it down to. I, I can't even think of the list to be honest. There were yeah. just I, I wrote to so many people, and so many people have been supportive. So all of Galway's musical community. Yeah, I wish to thank. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's good. It's good. Uh, well, I think we've we covered a good bit of ground there, Lucy. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we finish up? No, it's no? <laughs> okay. We'll leave it that.
1: And I suppose we'll leave on a high note musically with. The Luminous String Orchestra performing The Romanian Folk Dances by Bela Bartok.